Case file number 7.2. APD files, Deep Panda and Sandworm. Observed by Agent Grinshaw. Agent Grinshaw. Still working on this Gibson thing. No, Chief. You gotta give me more time. Have you even listened to the recordings? It's like an encyclopedia of this hacker stuff. One of them just keeps going on and on about everything that ever went wrong on the internet. No, nobody knows this kind of crap. He's obviously up to no good. Yeah, the one called Hackalope. No, how is it not illegal? The information is dangerous. And and the other one, the other one, Ymir. He's always going on about everything the CIA and FBI did wrong. All the wiretap stuff, all the crazy projects. How does he know? We already know he's infiltrated NASA, and I am this close to catching him skipping leg day. Now just ask yourself, Chief, what would J. Edgar Hoover do? Chief, all I need is more time. Sooner or later they're going to slip up and I will catch them. Hacking the Gibson. Uh, the accounting subdirector in the Gibson's working really hard. I think we got a hacker. All right. So back to our uh, I share, you share episodes when it comes to APTs. We kind of conceive them as the kind of, okay, we can share the burden of doing the research. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I thought, I'm only going to have to fill 15, maybe 20 minutes. I don't have to go so deep. Still lost like half a day to it. <laughs> yeah, same. I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. Like, I can just kind of like, you know, skim what they did. And then I got really interested in what they did. Um, so, yeah, it kind of <laughs> all fell apart there. But for mine, I picked APT-19, um, a.k.a. Deep Panda or Black Fine. They also have like a dozen other names they go by. But Deep Panda uh, seems to be like the main one. Much like a lot of the APTs that I pick, uh, they target aerospace. Okay, they, also, well, <laughs> they also target energy, healthcare, finance, military, and agriculture, amongst like a bunch of other ones. It's a kind of a what don't they target? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they were involved in a handful of attacks, um, one of them being the Anthem attack, not the video game. When it was first released, did it feel like an attack to you? Yeah, I, that game was never going anywhere. <laughs> attack on my senses of sight. Operation Deputy Dog was another one, which sounds like a uh, like an old 80s cartoon. Operation Ephemeral Hydra, and then Operation Snowman. That's a cool name. <laughs> yeah, Ephemeral Hydra is pretty cool. Operation Snowman definitely sounds like just a military winter excursion. I was just like, did, did the researchers uh, of their activity have something against them? They just gave them crappy code names? Uh, yeah, and maybe it's just, yeah, it depends on the team. It's like, well, it's like in World of Warcraft when you get like tier gear. Yeah. And there's always good good gear for certain classes and horrible ones for others. I know that, the, that generally, especially if um, if the U.S. government is doing the attribution, they have mm-hmm. certain um, things that they try to do. The mm-hmm. one that immediately comes to mind is if it ends in bear, it's Russian. That makes sense. Which... <laughs> foreshadowing uh, <laughs> but when it's just hey whoever discovers them first you kind of never know right yeah yeah deep panda is uh known to conduct mostly watering hole attacks on legit websites uh they have a handful of droppers uh, that are disguised as legit installers mm-hmm. um, some of them being like adobe reader juniper vpn 
and a lot of ActiveX control uh, droppers as well. And they're also known to have access to the zero days uh, via the Elderwood framework, uh, which sounds like some Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> and I wasn't really familiar with what that is. Um, so I had to look it up. Uh, sure. Just kind of like a little brief thing. Um, you know, the term Elderwood comes from the source code variable used by attackers uh, who are systemic and reuse components of an infrastructure. Mm -hmm. There's a handful of them just enables them to quickly deploy zero day exploits. We did an episode on Cobalt Strike. It's kind of the same kind mm -hmm. of thing where like once you know how you're going to get in the whole package around it for dropping command and control and all of that, mm -hmm. you can package it and send it out quick. It's uh, it's kind of equivalent, like I was thinking, like, um, you know, cars, like a mm. lot of different model of cars are all built on the same like chassis. Yeah, there's actually a similarities in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Anthem attack, that was a breach of uh, Elvin's Health. They were known as Anthem Incorporated uh, mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. Um, and it was a breach of all their medical data. And <laughs> that was back February 4th of 2015. Um, Anthem disclosed that hackers had broken into their servers and stolen over 37.5 million records uh, containing PII. And that overall number was raised to 78.8 million uh, about 20 days later. And that breach extended into multiple brands Anthem used, uh, Anthem Blue Cross, Blue Cross Blue Shield, mm -hmm. Amerigroup, Caremore, and like a ton of other groups as well that were all associated to this. And in response to that, Anthem hired Mandia. Mm -hmm. uh, they reviewed their security systems um, and advised the people who had their information stolen. They offered, you know, I think, up to $100,000. Um, identity theft. You know, identity theft perfection. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. And the findings were said to show that Anthem had taken reasonable measures to protect the data uh, before the breach, uh, and its remediation plan was effective at shutting down the breach once discovered. They had the uh, Indiana uh, DOI uh, independent auditors, um, they went in and kind of investigated everything and they concluded that Anthem had some deficiencies in the security posture, mm -hmm. but they were nothing that they hadn't seen in any other company that size. So they had a hole happened, but they weren't negligent. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that while pre-breach issues impacted the ability to detect and respond to this, um, they did implement controls after the fact that would help them to improve uh, any future breaches that may occur. And beyond that, there was also a $16 million settlement between Anthem and the Department of Health and Human Services uh, when they filed the lawsuit against them. Losing that kind of those kind of customer records, that was still post-HEPA, because I think HEPA was mm -hmm. 20... 09 or 2010 or something i could be wrong like yeah that. i'm i'm vaguely grasping at numbers in my head 2009 sounds very like when i took the cisp exam <laughs> correct <laughs> so that was anthem operation deputy dog uh, this was discovered in september 24th of 2013 by FireEye, and this took advantage of a recent zero day cve 2013-3893 and that utilized the remote code execution vulnerability. And that was in the set mouse capture implementation in mshtml.dll. And that affected Internet Explorer 6 through 11. And they noticed a bunch of Japanese organizations were the first to be targeted by this attack. Mm -hmm. uh, and it had similarities to an attack on Bit9, which I don't think we've talked about. I don't think we've talked about Bit9. 
Yeah, but that was the attack where they basically hacked and stole a bunch of search, uh, certs to sign all of their malware with. Yeah, no, we haven't talked about that one yet. We should do an episode on that. Yeah. And they found uh, the payload for this attack was phoning back to a server in Hong Kong IP address space. And that will come up in a bunch of these other attacks. This is how they kind of just linked them all together because uh, Operation Ephemeral Hydra was also an Internet Explorer Zero Day. Uh, mm-hmm. that was linked back to deputy dog uh this attack uh was inserted into an important website known to draw visitors that were interested in national international security policy it didn't actually give the website's name uh, in any of the articles <laughs> to protect the guilty <laughs> <laughs> yeah this attack was loaded directly into memory mm-hmm. um which was cited as a technique not common to most apt actors when was this 2013 2013 okay and this was identified as a variant of the Trojan APT 9002, um, also known as Hydrac uh, MC Rat. Mm-hmm. And the payload itself was specifically shell code. It injected itself into memory after a successful exploitation by a series of steps. Mm-hmm. After the initial X or decoding of the payload uh, with the key uh, hex 9F, uh, an instance of run dll32.exe uh, is launched, and that's injected with the payload. Um, that's using creating process A, open process, virtual alloc, uh, write process memory, and create remote thread. It's then subjected to two more levels of XOR decoding with keys hex01 and hex61. And the execution is then transferred to the uh, 9002 rat variant. And cbug.org has like an entire paper uh, written up that shows each step. And everything that was really good. I mean, the most important thing is that there is that the actual binary code was obfuscated using uh, XOR encryption multiple times. Although, from the mm-hmm. sounds of it, it wasn't polymorphic. It didn't no. redo the XOR encryption, so those strings were still identifiable by pattern matching, even if you couldn't do analysis based on them. I'm just yeah. the important thing to me is that while that was identifiable. Like they didn't feel like they needed to make it polymorphic at that point. So they did um, with this one. Uh, oh, they did. The, okay. Yeah, they they use the dynamic four byte uh, XOR to encrypt uh, data. Um, I think that was encrypting data coming back out. That's the sound so, yeah, of it. Yeah. Because the way that you were describing yeah. it is is yeah. that they had that a static key for mm. decrypting the binary that it was uh, the binary code that it was uh, using executing in memory. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And Seabug uh, was saying that, you know, the suggested confidence uh, in both resources and the skill of the attacker at the time, because mm-hmm. they were basically super confident that, that once one of the targets, you know, was exploited, they could hop on it immediately yeah. um, and get to work. Which is a signal of good reconnaissance, which is, again, one of the things that APTs are known for. Mm-hmm. And the uh, 9002 variant connected to a command and control server mm-hmm. um, at 111.68.9.93 over port 443. Um, the older version of the 902, uh, 902 RAT had a static four by identifier at offset zero um, in the callback network traffic. Um, mm-hmm. That was usually the string 902. Um, this new window, like I was saying, had the dynamic four by XOR key to encrypt all the data. Uh, in the XOR decoded data, always contained the static value of uh, hex 09, 12, 11, 20 at offset 16, and the value is hard-coded in the packet data construction prior to XOR encoding. So most likely the data, you know, which is the date for 2011-1209, but yeah, 
they Seabug couldn't figure out any significance to that date, so they just kind of left it at that. The Diskless 9002 also made uh, post requests uh, using the uh, user agent li uh, links, and okay. the URI was in uh, incremental hexadecimal values. Interesting. Um, I mean, links being the command line browser utility, right? Yeah. And a DNS lookup of the remote addresses showed the domain dll.freshdns.org, um, mm -hmm. and that was attributed and linked back to Operation Deputy Dog. So it's kind of how they tied all that together. And finally, Operation Snowman, that occurred in February 2014, <laughs> yet another uh, Internet Explorer Zero Day. And this one targeted military personnel. Oh, wow. And so a U.S. veteran's website was compromised. And it was used to serve zero day uh, CVE 2014-0322. And this allowed remote code execution via vectors involving JavaScript code, uh, C markup, and on property change attribute of the script elements. And the veteran's website in question was observed by FireEye to have been or to have had altered HTML code introducing JavaScript and malicious iframes mm -hmm. to allow uh, drive-by download attacks. This is cross-site scripting stuff and directly mm -hmm. affecting Internet Explorer. Here is a an actual example of why cross-site scripting is a problem. We have better tools to deal with it now. We have the whole cores system of saying, hey, only execute code that comes from these places. Mm -hmm. So you can't inject JavaScript if it's not coming from, if it's not posted on the correct source. But mm -hmm. yeah, not everybody does that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, this was also able to bypass uh, ASLR because it used the vulnerability to um, allow them to modify one byte of the memory at an arbitrary address. Mm -hmm. So they access the memory for Flash Action Script in order to do this, and they actually even digitally signed all of these um, these droppers. Oh wow! Yeah. So it gets its operation um, name because this all coincided with a inclement weather um, hitting Washington D.C. area. Um, it was a big snowstorm that hit right around this time, leading into President's Day holiday weekend. Mm -hmm. They looked into it and like the last modified date on the code had only been like three days prior to this attack. So this was shipped out pretty quickly. And again, this was also phoning back uh, to the same command and control yeah. as Deputy Dog and Ephemeral Hydra. This is an example of targeting when your target is less likely to be vigilant. Three-day weekend on a Friday. Uh, the last episode we did when I was talking about uh, Fin7, they did the same thing in order to do one of their bank thefts. Right. Remember the timing attack on that. Um, oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yep. But the thing that I actually find interesting here is signed malware is pretty rare. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a very sophisticated thing. And on the other mm -hmm. side, their command and control infrastructure didn't have a lot of uh, obfuscation to it. Right, yeah. So the contrast of that to me is actually pretty interesting. Yeah, it seems like at least for the Operation Snowstorm from what I was reading, you know, obviously it was intended just to hit people that had military um, ties, mm -hmm. but not specifically like a military organization, just to kind of right. probably poke around to see if they had anything on their systems. Yeah, casting it at see who you get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that is uh, Deep Panda. I have been saying for years, and I feel like I'm was making an assumption there. I guess I had assumed that I had either found it or would have heard about it. But I 
I thought that the num- amount of signed malware out there was actually still very, very small. And the mm-hmm. fact that I didn't even know about this, I mean, this is one of those things where you could do this for years, but it feels like every time I look into this stuff, I'm like, man, do I not know anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, uh, and uh, it was 1996 that the HEPA regulation, that HEPA was Oh, it was 96? Yeah. Because, okay. you know. You can't be wrong on a podcast. Exactly. I'm glad I already took my SSP. So it's against the law. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, for mine, I did uh, the APT known as Sandworm. Mm, okay. And you may recognize quite a few things that come up over over the course of of uh, of this talk. I um, you did a lot of the nuts and bolts of a, of of the execution stuff. Mm-hmm for years last time and i was like oh i should do more of that and i didn't um <laughs> but there's a lot to talk about here right and there is quite a bit of actual binary research which i didn't really get too far into because there's a lot to talk about anyway <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah so they are gru unit 74455 um okay. gru being as we have previously discussed uh russian federation military intelligence Mm-hmm. Apparently, they've changed their name from the Russian translation of GRU to just GU, but we still call them GRU. We're old school like that. <laughs> or us in the English-speaking world can't change. <laughs> uh, but they are also known as Voodoo Bear, Telebot, and Iron Viking. Okay. So they've been active from 2014 to just recently. Like, we have real things that they have done recently. And uh, but there's evidence that they were doing that they were developing their capabilities as far back as about uh, 2007. Okay. Yeah. A lot of the things that were that I'm going to talk about now were in an indictment by the U.S. Justice Department in October 2018. That was um, later uh, unsealed in 2020. So the indictment is readable. People have reported on it. There's actually a fair bit on these guys. Six Russians were indicted by the Justice Department. Yuri Andrenko, uh, Sergei Destatov, uh, Anatoly Kovalev, Artem Ochichenko, and Petr Pleskin. And then later was added Alexander Ostachuk and uh, Alexei Potemkin to hmm. the indictment. So th- that last name sounds familiar. So there's a famous guy who was in the court of the lover to and probably the the later the matchmaker for um catherine the great so his name mm, was right. so you may have heard the name before okay yeah and uh, i actually found so there's um they have a twitter handle they're an organization uh, a lot of stuff i knew them to do was identifying neo-nazis in america called belly cat mm. but they also had some reporting on this where they had used some of the address stuff that was associated with some of the people that had been indicted and kind of worked backwards from there and did a few other things. And mm. based on that uh, and kind of typical behaviors, the unit as of that investigation is probably has a staff of between 40 and 50. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, that's cool to kind of get an idea of the scope of their operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They started out, if you've heard of Black Energy, that's these guys. Okay, that kind of sounds familiar. They've done a lot of APT-type work that when 
this stuff kind of got released in 2015, 20, mm-hmm. or 2014, 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. In the incident response community, they were the boogeyman in a lot of ways. Oh, uh, okay. So talk about kind of the progression of the black energy stuff. It had been identified as black energy and like that was their beginning botnet starting back on like the two, 2007. Mm-hmm. They had been used for various purposes, including distributed denial of service of uh, Georgian websites, as in the former Soviet Republic, Georgia, not near Atlanta. Um, mm. And that's going to be the Georgia we talk about okay. <laughs> when it comes up later on and anytime it comes up later on. Um, so they detect we've a p- complete rewrite of the original black energy uh, you know, attack toolkit was detected mm-hmm. in 2010. Um, and then a new revision was found in 2014, attacking over 100 targets in Ukraine and Poland. Hmm, okay. And that's kind of the beginning of Sandworm being like this full-fledged APT. Right, yeah. And there were government targets, journalists, that kind of thing. And then just a little bit later, the Black Energy botnet started delivering a kill disk binary. And at the time, kill disk was a generic term for any wiper um, destructive malware. Okay. Yeah. It deleted files, it corrupted file system stuff. A variant of this kill disk caused the black energy outage in December um, 20 on December 23rd for, for four to six hours, affecting about 230,000 uh, uh, Ukrainians in uh, Ivano, uh, Frank Fisk. There's a V in there, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it. <laughs> um, okay. Is this, is this, you started reading the same book. This is how they tell me the world. Is this the, the attack she's talking about when she flies? Okay. Yeah, okay, this yeah. is the beginning of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I think, and honestly, I meant to go back, but I was running out of time. I meant to go back and listen to your Ukraine episode, because I think that that happens a little bit before this. I think it was like 2012. Yeah, 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 I believe so. So, so I mean, and I, and again, I want to do like a whole thing about this. Although, honestly, I don't know how we're going to do a better job than they tell me this is how the world ends. <laughs> um, yeah. Like the best we can probably do is summarize and maybe add on a little bit of perspective outside that theater. But mm-hmm. um, they, yeah. like she did just such a great job. Um, so moving on, because again, this is <laughs> I'm only trying to keep this in 20 minutes. <laughs> so. There's a new botnet that they that they found called Telebots. Mm. And this is really interesting because they used the Telegram bot API for command and control. Mm, okay. That was novel and interesting. And part of the re- and because everybody was allowing Telegram because it was an important messaging app. Mm-hmm. It was a al- it was allowed. This is kind of the same thing back in the day in the era of the original worm uh, of all of those SMB type worms, a lot of command and control for several of them was done over IRC. Mm -hmm. And a lot of organizations let IRC go out. Right. I remember at the time where I was at, we actually had pushback from our user base for blocking IRC. Oh, really? Yeah. So we had to observe the traffic and look for telltales that it was botnet traffic and not somebody just chatting. Interesting. They had an IDS signature that basically pulled out the packet information so that we could get the user ID that they logged into. And there were certain patterns uh, that the known worms were using. 
But same kind of thing where, where a service that a lot of people use is subverted for uh, command and control. Right. And Telebot's Telegram bot, um, that's where it gets its name. Um, so they started using that to distribute another kill, a, another kill disk um, piece of malware. But this one, like we discussed in our original ransomware episode, uh, was a wiper disguised as ransomware. Mm-hmm. It would do the splash screen of "Hey, 222 Bitcoin," which at the time was worth was worth about a quarter million US. Right. <laughs> but in <laughs> fact, they 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 destroyed your files. <laughs> right. <laughs> now the funny thing was that inside that particular variant, when they deconstructed it, there were references to the Mister Robot to Mister Robot, the show, the TV show. Oh, really? Yeah. I still need to finish that. I watched. Like I think season one and most of season two or all season two, but I didn't watch very much of it. I just my tolerance for TV is almost nothing at this point. Yeah, which makes me an even greater cultural void than I was before. <laughs> anyway, so that was in tail end of 2015, or was that early 2016? I think that was that was around that time. I didn't put dates in that particular section. I'm sorry. Um, but the big one, the really important one, happened on on the seventeenth of December in twenty sixteen. It's called In Destroyer, and it was very interesting because it affected multiple industrial control systems. It had the ability to directly talk to uh, the SCADA control planes of not just one system, not just a general system, but several specific systems. Oh, really? Yeah. So. That was new at the time for one thing. The other thing is, is it shows very significant reconnaissance because they knew what they needed to program it for. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, this struck Kiev and shut down power in Kiev in December of 2016. Mm-hmm. And this, we've mentioned it before. This is part of the whole Russian hybrid warfare thing where they affect services as well as doing disinformation and attacking at the same time. Right, right. Yeah. And so they, they're destabilizing Ukrainian power delivery. And one of the plans, as it's been described to me, I don't know if this was if this was supposition or some or came from direct evidence, but the Russians' plan uh, when taking Kiev for what we'll call jokingly World War Three um, <laughs> uh, was that they would take the power infrastructure very early on and bring power back. And that was how they were going to try and ingratiate themselves to the Ukrainian populations. Like, oh, you need us because the the government the government you had couldn't keep things working. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I think I think we kind of like talked about that mm-hmm. like in a few different uh infrastructure yeah. episodes. Yeah. 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 Holding that hostage is part of the strategy. Mm-hmm. So their coming out party was Messing with Ukrainian infrastructure, doing a lot of the destruction that we talked about earlier about uh, attacks on 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 Ukraine. The next thing on their dance card was they participated. They weren't the primary actor in the hacking of the DNC and RNC in the in the U.S. 2016 election. Okay, uh, Hillary Clinton versus Trump. Uh, if you mm. recall, in that situation. Both the RNC and the DNC were hacked, but only files from the DNC were released. 
Right. Yep. And I that remember. was uh, Gucci for two. Sandworm was involved in the information leak, the information disclosure part of that. But the APT uh, 26, or sorry, unit uh, 26, uh, 165 uh GRU unit uh 26165 was was the primary actor there and I meant to loop back but I did not I did not associate that with its more common APT name yet okay uh, so I apologize for that but I mean honestly that was a fairly minor thing for them it was just on the signpost because the interesting thing about that is the next year in 2017 they did a spear phishing campaign against um Emmanuel Marcone and his um La Republic El Marche and uh, March um political party in France to affect their mm, 2017 okay. election and it was the same mm. kind of thing it was a hack and leak of attack right right they created a a, a social media profile to leak the documents and they teased it and then they leaked them and in both cases I haven't been able to get some solid analysis down by somebody else and i haven't done it myself but a technique that i know i was told about that that, that was part of the russian disinformation tactic set was to get a pile of of real information not just find the most salacious stuff to publicize but insert in legitimately to stolen information uh, data some false data uh yeah which i thought was a nifty trick <laughs> i mean yeah i mean it takes total sense because i mean we have seen in recent years and you know going forward it's going to just be worse and worse that it takes very little effort to throw out something false mm -hmm. that needs fact checking it takes a lot of effort to fact check that thing and by the time someone has sat down and said this is preposterous let me tell you why um the media has moved on mm -hmm. people that like you know, have bought hook, line, and sinker into it, don't believe you yeah. um, because of, you know, a variety of other reasons. You just waste time, but like you also just can't let it run rampant. So yeah, it's a really good tactic. Yeah. So uh, after that, it was another callback to prior episodes, which is not Petia. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there, Petia was a big ransomware at the time. Not mm -hmm. Petia was released by Sandworm using the Eternal Blue exploit. Uh, mm -hmm. stolen from the equation group and released by the shadow brokers see our shadow brokers episode and uh, as we said i think in the second ransomware episode not petia was another wiper disguised as as ransomware it's a weird hearing like all of the acronyms and names being used because it sounds like like a straight up like D D or warhammer campaign at some points well i mean they're all created by geeks so yeah yeah it is true <laughs> <laughs> so, but the next one's pretty good. Olympic Destroyer. Oh, okay. So this was in 2018 when the Russian Federation was under sanctions for the 2018 Olympics. Uh, mm -hmm. And that none of the um, the Russian athletes could uh, could participate under the Russian Federation flag. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right. So the Hoyang Chang Olympics in South Korea, we'll just call them South Korea because I'm not sure about my pronunciation, um, were attacked by sandworm. They had mm -hmm. a persistent foothold for a few months before in two different third-party IT support organizations. Mm, okay. So this is a supply chain attack. So that was one of the things that was interesting about it. Mm. Um, they caused a disruption of the venue app, the Wi-Fi network, and some of the telecasts. 
uh, by basically undermining the infrastructure. Right. But the really funny thing is they, you know how we talked about the Lazarus group earlier? I mean, that was that was in my, my previous thing. The, the Lazarus group, some of their malware identifying marks were incorporated into this malware. They were trying to false flag it to the Lazarus group. Oh. Because that was North Korea and it was a South Korean Olympics. That would make sense, yeah. But eventually tearing things apart, it was the consensus attribution was definitely Russian, mm-hmm. probably Sandworm, but there are still some some folks on uh that uh believe that it was uh APT28 Fancy Bear. Okay. But the current plurality of the vote is that mm-hmm. it, that it was Sandworm. Um mm. but it was Russia targeting the Olympics because of sanctions and really? retaliation for sanctions. Mm-hmm. But the false flag thing I thought was very interesting. That's the first time I had heard something like that happening. Yeah. And like, I've, I've seen bits and pieces in like doing research on like a few different topics of like, okay, like, you know, there was um, Iranian or Arabic and like, you know, some code or like, you know, yeah. like trying to point to something, but then they, you know, they, same thing. They were like, no, this is clearly Russian. Like, <laughs> you know, they, that might be worth uh, doing some research, but there was there, I got a couple. I got a couple more hit, hits on the on the list. Um, mm-hmm. They attacked the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons uh, okay. in retaliation. The Organization for the Prohibition of, of of Chemical Weapons, the OPCW, was working in cooperation with the UK government in an investigation of the poisoning of uh, Sergei Skripal and his daughter. You may have heard of it. Uh, the, the they they are known as the Novichok poisonings. Uh, those the the former spy and his daughter that got poisoned in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were helping investigate yeah. that, and so Sandworm attacked them. Based mm. on the reading I did, they might not have been the only organizations. It's up to four from the reading I did. In there, there was spear phishing, which was they report as largely unsuccessful, and there was also mm. direct attempts to capture track to intercept and capture traffic in Den Haag where they're based. Mm. So Den Haag is the city. The Hague is the place is the actual right, right. international court place. Uh, at least is that that's the way I understand it. Was it, was that poisoning? Was that the one that like retraces of uranium, like in the poisoning or I'm thinking uh, you're, you're, you were thinking polonium and that's not this one. Polonium. Oh, okay. I don't think that's this one. I know that there was another one that definitely used polonium, but I don't think this one was uh, has been attributed to polonium. Right. Okay. I didn't do background reading on the specific attack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just going from memory. So if I'm wrong, right. leave a review. I don't know. It would be nice to have a review. <laughs> <laughs> and then in March 2022, lawyers and investigators uh, from uh, the UC Berkeley Law School University of California, Berkeley Law School, made a formal request to the International Criminal Court at The Hague to consider war crimes charges for Russian cyber attacks in Ukraine. And they specifically mm. call out the black energy attacks in 2015-16. Oh, okay. So war crimes, hooray! Those are always fun. Uh, and then most recently, the two things that come up when you're talking about the most recently uh, are the Blink Cyclops IoT botnet, which affects uh, ASUS and WatchGuard devices. And that's similar to some of the stuff we were talking about in the IoT episode where mm. they're infecting the network device. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It essentially subsumed, replaced the VPN filter botnet, mm-hmm. uh, which we haven't talked about and frankly wasn't that far on my radar. So I don't know very much about it right. off the top of my head. Um, that was in February. That was a little earlier. Um, March in 2022 was the war crimes. And then in April 2022, Sam attempted to black out Ukraine again using a new version of Industrial called Industrial 2. Mm, okay. So they're still active. They're still attacking the Ukraine. And they're very definitely Russian. Uh, <laughs> but while the actors have been indicted, they've been indicted in absentia because... Well, I don't know if you can be indicted in absentia, but they've been indicted in the U.S. and they're in Russia and they're never going to be extradited. Ah, okay. So they may be tried in absentia at some point, but it's already been four and a half years. So that's uh, that's Sandworm. Very nice. I like how all these things kind of tie into each other bit by bit. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but like what some of the stuff that you were talking about, they tied the Telenet and the Black um, or the Telebot and and Black Energy, two different lines to the same action using similarities in the code, but similar domains used for command and control, like uh, like you were talking about in um, Deep Panda. Right, right, yeah, yeah. But for at least a while, they actually succeeded in having in being attributed to two different groups. Mm, mm-hmm. Fun, fun. Yeah. So, APT battles part. This is the second one of these we've done. Third APT yeah, yeah. files. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I have anything clever to tie the two of these together. Yeah. Deep voodoo panda bear. I don't know. Yeah. Something interwitty thing here. <laughs> Find out about new episodes at r slash hacking the Gibson on Reddit and support the podcast by contributing at the Wikimedia Foundation or Electronic Frontier Foundation.